Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, maybe Santa was on to something. Matter of fact, I think that uh, if you look in Scripture, 2 Peter 3.8 says this. It says, do not overlook this one fact, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. I think that uh, I don't put a lot of theology in um, the miracle of Christmas um, when it comes to movies, but I do put deep theology, deep belief into what Scripture says. And so it's interesting that here we are in the middle of the series, Experience the Miracle of Christmas. In week one, I talked to you about the moment, the miracle of the moment. And at just the right time, God sent his son to earth. The timing was perfect. I shared with you at that time, there were only 300 million people on the planet earth. Today, there's over or almost 8 billion Last week, I shared with you the miracle of the message and that God speaks to us in a way that we can understand. Aren't you glad that he speaks to us in a way that you can understand? Today, I want to share with you the method or the miracle of the method. And so uh, join me as we pray. God, we thank you so much that across the globe, we are celebrating the event of Christmas. And yet far too many don't even realize the miracle that it is. It's not that Santa Claus can deliver gifts throughout the world in one night. The miracle is that you took on the form of man, that you lived a life that none of us could, and that was a perfect life, and that you ultimately died for each of us. We thank you for that. And, and God, I ask that you would help us each to recognize the method that you are using us when it comes to the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So with that thought of the miracle of the method, um, as I was thinking about this, uh, have you ever seen somebody do something and tell yourself, you know what, I don't think I would have done it that way. I have experienced that many times in my life. Matter of fact, this past week I observed it. Uh, Josh and I had the opportunity to uh, fly out to Maryland. I had a, a childhood friend who has a deer processing uh, business, and Josh wanted to learn um, or get experience on uh, cutting up the deer into steaks and just the different ways that you can do it in an efficient manner. And so Scott, uh, my friend, uh, uh, just partners up with him. He's got one leg. Josh has got another leg. And uh, Scott would cut, and he, but he's been doing this for 40 years, but he would just barely even touch things, and it's like it would just fall apart. Josh would cut, and then he would grab it, and then he'd start pulling it apart like he was doing tug of war, or like that stretch man that I got when I was eight years old in Christmas. And, and Scott would look over and say, well, you know, I wouldn't do it that way, but, but you can. And so what was funny was that first uh, hour, Josh like was tearing the the deer apart. And then uh, yesterday and Friday, Josh was 
an accomplished surgeon when it came to processing deer. Well, there, were, there was a time in my life where my car broke down and I needed to change uh, one of the belts on the vehicle. And um, me and my dad were out there working on the truck. And I decided I did not want to take the alternator off to do this, but all the instructions said to do that. I thought that I could do it without that. I, it, it was, I, I, could, I could see it in my mind. And my dad kept saying to me, well, I don't think I'd do it that way. And I had knuckles that were tore up. Um, I didn't get it. I eventually had to take the alternator off. Uh, what, what do you know? The instructions were right. And, um, but throughout that evening, I heard many times from my dad, I don't think I'd do it that way. Fast forward a couple years, and Carrie and I are living in Biloxi, Mississippi. Uh, she has been approached and asked to lead um, a, a pregnancy uh, center and, um, and she'll tell you that it really, she was afraid, didn't want to, to take that step of faith. Um, I think she knew that this is what God wanted her to do. Uh, all of the signs were obvious that this is what was supposed to happen. And when we talked about it, we both realized and verbalized that, you know, this should happen. And yet she made the phone call and said, you know, I'm going to pass on this. Uh, I don't know if it was the next day or two days later. Um, but her boss came into the office and said, uh, hate to tell you this, but we're the corporate is closing down this office. No one's going to have jobs at the end of the month. She comes home and says, do you think that was God saying something? I said, well, I think God was up in heaven and said, I don't think I'd do it that way, Carrie. And so uh, he, he made some arrangements. I wonder, is God working in your life? And the way that God is working, you're, you're having a conversation with God and you're telling God, you know what, God, I don't think that I'd do it that way. And yet what you don't hear is when you try to do it your own way, God's whispering from heaven, Ronnie, I don't think I'd do it that way. Maybe it's a relationship. There's a relationship that you're involved in, and you know everyone, your mom told you, your dad told you, your brother, everyone says that that person's not good for you. You're waiting for it to show up on our billboard sign. And even then, you would question it. And everyone's telling you, I don't think I'd do it that way. And yet we press on. We get battered knuckles. We end up having to do it the right way. Maybe it has to do with health. Maybe uh, you are making decisions that aren't good for you and everyone's giving you that information and they're basically telling you, I don't think I'd do it that way. And yet, what do we do? We do it that way every time. It might be a job, health, relationship. I don't know what you're facing, but I would bet that all of us in this room probably are having an encounter with God where he is wanting to work through you and yet you are probably smarter than the creator of the universe. And you're telling God that I don't think that's the right way to do it. Well, here, here's the good news. Um, you're not alone. Matter of fact, it makes better sense when we read Scripture. And so if you would, turn to Romans chapter 11. Now I'm going to read verse 33. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. And it says this, Oh, the depth 
of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. You see, there's a reason why it doesn't make sense when God wants you to do something or he wants something to happen in your life, and yet you tell yourself, I don't think so, God. And usually you go through a tough time. And here's what he says in 1133 of Romans. Number one, he says that the way he's going to do it is unsearchable. You cannot go to Google and find the answer to your problem. You can't call the latest 800 number. You cannot go and see a psychic and find out, well, what's really going to happen. The ways of God are unsearchable. You're not going to find the answer other than through the Holy Spirit. And then there's this other word that he uses to describe his ways. He says they're inscrutable. I had, to, I had to go and look up what exactly does inscrutable mean. And it means it's impossible to understand or interpret. Now, you've heard me say this many times, that in God's economy, it just works. Boy, if we would just surrender, if we would just trust God, it will end up working out and working out better than we ever thought it could. But the problem is we go kicking and dragging all the way through what God is trying. Matter of fact, I would argue that many times we mess things so bad and then we refuse to give God the credit to, to humble ourselves and we never get back to where God originally intended us. Well, thankfully, we've got a God that doesn't hold grudges. And so today, when I, I want to share with you the miracle of the method, I want to give you three very quick points. And the first point is this, that God's methods transcend us. The, the way that God is going to work in your life it doesn't make sense to you. It, you're not going to find the answers with people that you talk to. You're not going to find answers uh, through Google or Siri. As I think about the, going through Scripture, I think about many things that God did that I tell myself I wouldn't have done it that way. Uh, he chose Eve to solve the problem that Eve created. Now, that wasn't a punishment to Eve, but he told the serpent that I'm going to use the seed of the woman to destroy you. Well, if, if I were God, I don't think I would have done it that way. I think I would have just, you know, got rid of Satan right there. You know what? This isn't going to work out, Satan, um, and just moved him out of existence. But that's not the way God works. He chose Abraham a couple thousand years later. If you don't know, we know of him as Father Abraham. I don't know if you grew up, but I grew up singing that song, Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, you know, and then we do the little twist thing. And oh, I love singing that song. But I didn't know this about Abraham. Abraham was not a, a God follower when God approached him. He was a heathen. He was a pagan. And God revealed himself to him and said, I have chosen you. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And I'm going to save the world through your seed. He chose Israel, one of the least significant nations, the size of the state of New Jersey. And yet almost every uh, news day, you will see uh, articles about 
the hideous nation of Israel and what they're doing to oppress the world. And as I think about these things, I keep telling myself, God, I don't think I'd have done it that way. He chose David as shepherd boy to be the king of Israel. Just a few years earlier, when the, the people got to choose, they chose Saul. Saul was tall. Saul was handsome. Saul was um, uh, an imposing figure. David was none of those. I think we all would agree that if, if we had Saul and David to choose from, we wouldn't have done it that way. But God did. He chose a little town called Bethlehem, one we'll sing about over the next couple of weeks. A small, insignificant town that nobody knew existed until Christ was born there. He chose a manger. Now, um, kids, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen The Lion King. It, it's an older movie. But at the beginning of the, the movie, uh, they come out with the little cub lion and they hold him up and all of the animals are out there and they're like, oh, there's the new king. Like, that's the way I would have done it, God. If I'm sending my son to be the conqueror, the savior of the world, I mean, that's what I would have expected, that, that he would have been uh, brought or born into the, the most wealthy, the most powerful nation, the most powerful family, and that they would hold him up and say, this is going to be the savior of the world. That's just Disney movies. God didn't do it that way. He chose 12 men to be his disciples. 12 men that I'm confident that if we would have gone through the resumes, we wouldn't have picked them. And no, uh, uh, Peter, no way. He chose the cross. See, many of us today have a cross on. Might be wearing it around your neck. It may be on a bracelet. You may have it in your purse or somewhere on you. But the cross was a torture device. Could you imagine us having little guillotines? Like, oh, that's a nice guillotine that you've got. <laughs> but that's what we're walking around today with, a torture device. And that torture device became a symbol of hope. He chose an empty tomb. God, if I was doing, I wouldn't do it that way. I would have left Jesus right there for thousands of years so that everybody that goes to Israel doesn't have to wonder if this was the tomb, but Jesus is still there and say, yep, it's me, I'm alive, touch me, just like he did with his disciples. So why in the world would God do these things when I wouldn't have? When, and, I, and I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I mean, I finished school. Uh, I've got multiple degrees. And the answer is found in the book of Isaiah 55. If you turn to Isaiah 55, I'm going to read two verses. Verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Basically saying, Ronnie, I know you wouldn't do it that way. But I don't think like you do, Ronnie. Neither are my ways your ways. I know you wouldn't do it that way, but I don't do it the way you do things, Ronnie. Praise the Lord. And then verse 9, he clarifies why. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Now, moms and dads, you've got an inkling of what this looks like. 
you've had that child, that, that, that stubborn, self-willed, iron-hearted child that you, you told them how to do it, and they just said, uh-uh, I'm not doing it that way. You know, I don't care if you're mom or dad. I don't care who you are. I'm going to do it my way. God has 8 billion of those on the earth right now that are telling him, we're not going to do it your way. And here's what he says. I know, but here's the thing. My way is, here's how much. My ways are higher than your ways, as high as the earth is above the heaven, or the heaven is above the earth. And my thoughts are that high above your thoughts. You see, it is so much easier to watch God work in the third person. Isn't it fun to watch God work in someone else's lives? I mean, it's it's a blessing. Last week, I talked to you about the the miracle, the message, and how that some of us were just like that deaf young child and and the mom, and it's just enough if we could see God. I just want to see God work in someone else's life. He doesn't have to do anything in my life, because here's the reality. When God works in our life, it's scary. There's no money-back guarantees. And, And he doesn't do it the way we do it. He doesn't think the way we think. And so it is very, it, we're very vulnerable when it comes to the way God does things. But here's the question we really need to answer. We see he chose that Eve, he chose Abraham, he chose David, and I wonder what has God chosen you for? Because my second point says this, that God's methods include us. The reality is that God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Jesus gave his disciples the responsibility to go and make disciples all over the world. Baptizing them. Did you see that? Three baptisms this Sunday? 62 in the year 2021. Not too long ago, had a, a pastor friend ask that question, what are you doing over there, Ronnie? You know, are you paying them? I said, you know what? I said, I, I said I'm not doing anything. My church members are bringing their friends and their family that don't go to church. And they're encountering Jesus Christ. That's what's happened with all 62 of those baptisms. And he says to to baptize them and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. He gave this to those disciples that none of us would have chosen. To that small band of followers, he entrusted the gospel, the message of the good news. And so here's what I want you to understand, that it didn't stop with those 12 disciples. It's continued on through the centuries. And now we are lumped into that group. We are part of that the group that is going to make sure that the gospel is seen and heard throughout the world. And if we don't do it, someone may not hear. Someone may not have an encounter with Jesus. And so when it comes to our abilities, that is not what's important as much as our availability. You hear me talk about being available in our time, talent, and our treasure. You know, right now, when it comes to our time, there are different ways that we can be invested in our community. Uh, You're probably going to see a call for help to come out very soon on our Crossroads Family uh, group page for a bed build. We're expecting to be delivering about 30 beds soon. 
And here's what I would encourage you. If that is something, you know what, I'd be interested in helping take beds and putting them in a homes where there is no bed for that child. That child's sleeping on the couch or on the floor right now. There are cards in the uh, seat in front of you that says ready to serve. Pull one of those out, fill your information in on there and just write bed. And, and what I would tell you is that we will get back with you and let you know as soon as we know when that's going to happen. Because that's going to take a lot of people to get 30 beds delivered in the Centralia area. Uh, another way that we can um, serve through our time by being available, men, the men's breakfast next Saturday. I mean, I don't know if I need to say any more than biscuits and gravy, but um, there's going to be biscuits and gravy. Eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, one of the easiest things, men, that we can do, but one of the most important things that we can do. It's so easy for us as men to go through life without having somebody to lean on. Having, in, the, in the army, when I was deployed over to Afghanistan, we called him a battle buddy. We need a battle buddy when it comes to uh, being in the Lord's army. In the Air Force, we called him a wingman. We need somebody that's there, that, that's watching over, helping us make good decisions when we don't, helping slap us when we tell God that, I don't think I'd do it that way, God. Maybe it's uh, not availability with your time. Maybe it's availability with your talent, the, the ability to drive a, a bus, to bring in multiple kids and adults on that every week. Maybe it's the talent that you'll see here tonight on this stage at Christmas for a Cause. 6 p.m. Maybe there's other areas here in the church that you want to use for the, the, the talent that God has given you, the abilities that God has given you. And then the third way is with uh, our treasure. We make that available. You know what? I am so proud that I pastor an extravagantly generous church. A couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that we had a vision that we wanted to feed, one, put 1,000 meals out on Christmas Day. And that the cost of that for us as a church would be about $3,500. Last week, we passed that up. Why? Because you made yourself available you can make yourself available in time by um, serving on Christmas Day. Now, um, I am excited about this. I, I love, I can't wait to be delivered meals. I can't wait. We are going to set up this worship center uh, into a, just an elegant dining room for people who want to have a Christmas meal here. It's going to be beautiful. And you know who's going to make that happen? The same people that took care of the funding, are now going to be here volunteering, going to be serving, giving of their time. What a wonderful thing to do on Christmas Day. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with a backhanded compliment, but you're about to hear one in Scripture. Uh, this past week, uh, uh, when we were flying back, I sent out a Facebook message uh, to the family that hosted us. And uh, Linda had said, well, you know, I hope that you enjoyed your time with these Maryland hillbillies. <laughs> and all week long, we had been clarifying, hey, uh, we're not from Chicago when we say Illinois. Because have you all ever experienced that? You, you tell a friend you're from Illinois, like, oh, Chicago. I'm like, no, not Chicago. Uh, we're Southern Illinois. It's Kentucky. 
Um, and so, you know, I've been saying that all week. And so she, she mentioned that. Um, the part of Maryland that we at is it was it's countryside. I mean, it's just rolling hills. Matter of fact, we got off the plane and Josh said, hey, Ronnie, he goes, oh, when we were driving around, did you get queasy? Because I was getting queasy when we were driving around. I'm like, no, I was the one driving. I don't get queasy when I drive. Back to 1 Corinthians. It says, for consider your calling, brother. Here comes the backhanded compliment. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. I mean, how would you like that if your pastor, you know, uh, I hate to tell you this, but you're dumb. I'm just going to break it to you. I'm just going to shoot straight. Well, that's what the... Apostle Paul did here. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to beat up the things which are mighty. Why did he do that? In verse 29 of the same uh, passage, he says that no flesh should glory in his presence. And so all of those times where we tell God, I don't think I'd have done it that way, God. God just probably smiles at us because I know, Ronnie, I, I, I know you wouldn't have, but this way is going to work. This way is going to redeem all of mankind. This way is important for all of the world, not just your family. And the last uh, point I wanted to make today is that God's methods sanctify us. And the primary instrument of sanctification is God's Word. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 reads as follows. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. The reason why it talks about sanctify you completely is that many of us sabotage the life that God has placed in front of us. And we short circuit the work that he's doing through us. And we pull ourselves out of. Matter of fact, the children of Israel were a great example of this. When they came out of Egypt, they could have gone directly into the promised land and conquered. But they couldn't. They didn't have a warrior mindset. And so it took God 40 years in the wilderness to get rid of all of those who had that defeated mindset, who had that victim mindset. And, and created a battle-hardened group of warriors that were ready to go into the promised land and conquer the land that God had given them. But here's the hard truth. That sanctification involves our cooperation. Joseph and Mary endured shame. They endured accusation. Could you, I mean, it's not like today. If you have a baby out of wedlock, um, th that is almost celebrated. Th th there is no stigma that there was in Joseph and Mary's day. When you did that in Joseph and Mary's day, like you had a hard time in commerce. You wouldn't get a job. Uh, as a young lady, you wouldn't get married. You wouldn't have somebody to support you. And when Mary made that decision to say yes, and allow the Holy Spirit to implant the Son of God in her womb, she put herself under the microscope when it comes to shame and accusation and embarrassment and ridicule 
Oh, you know who people were making fun of in that day? Joseph. Everybody could do the math. They, they knew when Jesus was born and when they got married. They knew that what baby wasn't Joseph's. I'm sure they talked about that. I'm sure that Joseph was ridiculed behind his back. And I'm sure that Joseph and Mary knew all of that was coming their way. And yet, because they endured the shame and the accusation and the embarrassment and the ridicule, they got to experience the miracle of seeing God become flesh right before their eyes. And here's what I want you to know, is that God is wanting to work in your life. He's chosen you. He has something he wants to do through you. And you can either reject that and not allow God to work through your life, or you can surrender, you can trust, and then one day you will get to have seen God come down and manifest himself in your life. And then you're not living off of somebody else's dream. You're not living off of somebody else's time where God worked in their life. You're living off of the time where God showed up at your address, knocked on your door, and came in and had dinner with you. The next verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, it says, He who calls you is faithful. I think we could take that word calls out. He who chose you is faithful. But that's not what I want you to think about on this. I want you to look at the last part of that verse. He will surely do it. See, here's the problem. You think that when you get in business with God, that you're, you think about what you're going to lose. You think about what it's going to cost you. You think about you, 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 you. And what God says is, I'm going to do it. I will make you a successful leader of a crisis pregnancy center. I will allow you to get up here and sing and touch people's hearts. This past week, on Tuesday, presided over a funeral. And here's what I know about Aunt Sally. Aunt Sally knew Jesus. Is there anything more beautiful to know than that when your body lies in a casket, that everybody in the room knew that you knew Jesus Christ? The cost of following God obediently is always worth it. The prize for drawing near to God will never, ever disappoint you. So what do we do? We have to continue to trust God even though we don't understand. Even though it, His reasons are unsearchable. We've got to trust Him. I don't know why you took my loved one when you took them. I don't know why you've allowed my body to be stricken with this illness. I don't know why you allowed that person to walk out of my life and completely reject me and everything about that life. But here's the reality is we got to quit thinking I wouldn't do it that way and start trusting God that God, I, I believe his word when it says that all things 
work together for good for those who are the called that love God. We read that verse and we think in 2021, it says all things are going to work out. That's what we want. We want to read that verse and we want to know that this Christmas, all our family are going to be together. But the reality is that might not happen this Christmas. But you know what? We don't give up on God. We're going to trust God that one Christmas that we will be together. We will be able to celebrate. We will be able to, as a family, sit around a table, hold hands and pray over a feast. Or we can get stuck in this mindset of, I wouldn't do it that way, God. And then we try to help God out. And that will end horribly. So the miracle Christmas is this. That the method that God uses is ordinary people just like you and me. Just like Mary and Joseph. Just like Matthew and John. He's already done it this year. He's used ordinary people like you to see 62 people get baptized. He's used ordinary people like you to see us uh, over the last 18 months, I think we put over 100 beds in the homes. He's used, he's using ordinary people just like you so that we can put 1,000 meals together and serve them to the people in the greater Centralia area. Folks, people talk about it all the time, that they want to see God work. They want to see God do great things. But then when the opportunity comes to be a part of God doing that, they get scared. I've done that. And I left. And I ran from God. And yet God was gracious. And while I'm running from Him, And that he wasn't finished with me. And that he could take what I thought I'd messed up and he could make it into good. I wonder how many people here this morning know and are struggling with the fact that God wants to use you. Would you show by lifting up your hand? Hold them up high, folks. Go ahead and put those down. And here's what I want to tell you, every one of you that raised your hand. God wants to use you. You just have to make yourself available. That's it. He's not going to ask you to do anything that he hasn't equipped you to do. I'm not saying it's not going to be scary. But you can get on the roller coaster of life and you can either hit those hills with your hands raised and screaming with joy, or you can hang on and scream with terror. It doesn't matter. You're on the ride. God's in control. Let him use you. Maybe for some in here, the miracle of the method is also that God is at work in our lives that we don't, in a way that we don't understand. And, and, and maybe if you would just be honest with yourself and, and honest with me, that, that you've been, you know what, Ronnie, I'm guilty. I've been saying, God, I, I wouldn't do it that way. I don't like the circumstances that are 
happening in my life. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand and allow me to pray for you and pray with you? Hold them up high, folks. Amen. Go ahead and put those down. So I'm going to pray in just a minute. The lights are about to start coming down. We're going to finish today just a little bit differently. I don't want you to get scared. When I say amen, it's going to be dark in here. All right? Just hold the person beside you's hand. It's going to be okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, how wonderful you are. How great are your riches and your wisdom and knowledge. Your word says this. God, we confess that it's impossible for us to completely understand your methods. Lord, you saw the hands, you saw the hearts, and God, I pray that you would help us to see your way. I pray that you would help us to understand that your, your way is not our ways, that your thoughts are not our thoughts, and forgive us for trying to fit you into just a little box. God, we confess that many times we feel frustrated and confused by the things that happen in our lives. Help us, God, to remember that you love us and are at work in our lives. God, that you are here to help us for the good. God, that you are here to take care of all that is happening, that you have chosen to use ordinary people like us to accomplish extraordinary things. God, I ask you to use me. I pray, God, that you would hear the hearts that are asking you right now to use them to take our lives and use them in whatever way that you decide to extend your kingdom here on this earth. We thank you for the confidence that you've placed in us. You've entrusted us with the responsibility of sharing the good news of salvation. God, we love you. We praise you. We look forward to one day being reunited with you in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 